This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It's time to know your opponent. Oh, yes, we go behind enemy lines and know your opponent. With the Eagles set to face off against the Jets this week. Uh, fortunate enough to uh, get a couple of minutes with uh, Chris Franklin, who covers the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media. And he's nice enough to give us a few minutes this evening. Uh, Chris, thanks for uh, popping on with us. Hey, I appreciate being on. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing well. First off, like you know, we have the Jets here, and obviously we have the Giants here. How how fortunate are you that you got the Eagles beat, right? I mean, like, do you, do you ever get down on your knees at night and say, thank God, at least I got to cover the Eagles, a team that's actually going places here? You know, I, I give credit to Bob Brooklyn, Daryl Slater, and Andy Vasquez because those guys have a tough job to do right now. I'm down here down in South, Jer- the South Jersey Philly area just going like, wow, you know, it's, it's actually – Cool to see actually winning football. It's actually kind of good. <laughs> it is. It is good. And uh, Eagles rolling five and zero on the season. Certainly, uh, they have been one of the storylines early uh, this year. Uh, although it has not been flawless, right? I mean, they, they've had some close games here. There's been some red zone issues. What is the team talking about in the areas that they feel like they need to improve? In the, even though they've had the hot start. Well, you hit on the head on the red zone right now. When you, when you have guys like A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, you really should be putting up big numbers in that area. There's almost like nearly no excuse not to do that. And they're struggling right now. It, it, it varies from the play calling, whether it be just run the predictable play calling, having runs up the middle on first down, or just execution overall. We have like Jalen Hurts down in the goal line and you're settling for field goals. So I think that's one of the biggest things that that really is having issues right now. And then the second one is health. I mean, you got a lot of guys banged up. Darius Slay missed two practices in a row. Jalen Carter, you know, standout rookie. He he's, was a surprise addition to the injury report, too. And, and then they had issues in the slot losing Devontae Maddox. So it's been a com- the combination of those things, I think, have not, you haven't seen the blowouts like you've seen the Miami Dolphins and the San Francisco 49ers put up this whole part this year. Yeah, the Eagles' defensive line, is, it seems, you know, last year they had the 70 sacks. It feels like uh, the last couple of weeks they're kind of rounding into form. What have you seen from their defense as this season has progressed? Well, I think the biggest thing that happened was Hassan Reddick getting the cast off that thumb. You know, he, he injured it during training camp. He had to have surgery on it. And as soon as he, a couple of weeks ago, when he got that cast off, all of a sudden he became the Hassan Reddick of old. And he's getting into the middle of the off offensive tackles and looking at that heavy rush. You know, and, and one thing I was surprised at, you know, linebacker has always been a position that's had a lot of questions for the Eagles. And you look, especially when you lost to Kobe Dean, it became a bigger question mark. But when you look at the job Nicholas Morrow and Zach Cunningham, you know, the former Houston Texan coming out now and playing really well. I think they've done well. But when you get to that secondary in the passing game, it's, it's become a bend-don't-break type of style of defense. And, you know, teams have put up a lot of yards in the middle of that secondary, so there's a lot of question marks when it comes to that. And I look at that now. If you don't have Slade, now you got Garrett Wilson probably looking at his chops now. They could have some uh, have an impact game. Yeah, and Jalen Carter is the name popped up on the injury report as well. Uh, what do you think the status is for him Sunday as well as 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 for Slay? I think uh, the Slay one's more. Uh, I think Slay is is trending as it's not going to be. He's not going to be available. He'll miss back to back ones. The Carter ones I think is very interesting. I've talked to a couple people. I haven't got heard anything definite as of yet, but the fact that he popped up on Thursday is a big, big deal, and I think that's it's a huge question mark coming into that too. I think Friday tomorrow's going to be the big day that we start to see this and 
if we see 90, big 98 out there on the field, but for the five minutes we get to see him, I think, I think the Eagles will feel a little bit more comfortable. But if not, I think he, you're going to have to rely on Fletcher Cox, who's coming back off a back injury himself. So it's a lot of question marks around that defense. One of the big storylines this year, Chris, and we're talking with Chris Franklin, who covers the Eagles for uh, NJ Advanced Media, has been, of course, the tush push or the brotherly shove and, and, and questions about whether or not that play should be outlawed. What ha- Robert Sala was very vocal about it today, the Jets' uh, defensive coordinator, Jeff Ulbrich, uh, basically saying that they, they think that they have something that's going to be able to stop that. What's been the reaction of the players to the reaction to that play around the league? Yeah. Some of them have laughed, you know, somewhat because they say, hey, you know, it's legal. And, and so it's, it's all over just like, you know, it's just business as usual and shrug it aside. I mean, I think it's one of those things where if you see more and more teams that were successful doing it, I think it wouldn't be a problem. But the fact that a lot of teams haven't had the personnel to do it or the, the technique to be able to get down low, that's why I'm really interested in seeing what the Jets do because I'm D.C. saying, like, you know, he's, he's a rugby-style team. I wonder, I'm starting to wonder, did he bring a rugby coach in to, to ask them, like, hey, how do you stop the scrum and how are you winning this as well, too? But you've seen teams starting to fly over the top of the pile now, trying to get Hurts on top of that. Maybe that's part of the way you try to slow it down. But it's, it's more it's almost like watching physics now. It's trying to get who gets better leverage and who gets lower. And that's why I want that's going to be the key for the Jets to try to stop it. Who gets, if they can get lower than the Eagles off at the line to try to bottle it up. And, but the Eagles have variations off of it, so – it's a good chess match seeing what's going on with that play. And I would, I would think that part of the, the difficulty in stopping is you really can't practice against it, right? Like you don't want to get your own guys hurt in practice trying to practice, and it's hard to, to get it as perfectly executed as the Eagles do it. Yeah, it really is, especially try, trying to get – you have to try to find a guy like Jason Kelsey who gets down in a four-point stance. You got to find another bigger guy like Landon Dickerson and now Sue Opetta, and you try and you try to simulate it. It really is tough. I don't know if you have to use like sleds and all of a sudden they have them backed up like a truck. What have you trying to simulate, trying to push it back? But it really is, really is tough, and you don't really get a true sense of the play until you're actually in, in a lot of game, in a lot of games and get the game feel for it. It's one of the weirdest stats. We were just talking with Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for us here, obviously. Uh, the fact that the Jets have never beaten the Eagles. 12 games, 12 losses. Did the players have any reaction? Were they even aware of that statistic? What was their reaction? A lot of them don't, don't even know. They just look at the next play. I mean, some of them think about the game from a couple of years ago and how that went down, but a lot of times they don't even know. Like, and you think, looking back, since like 73, you think at some point or another – that the Jets would have taken one, at least one within this right. game. But yeah. a lot of them don't have that one. I, I'm, to me, I'm more impressed now in the Winfield. I'm more impressed with, with the, the span of the Jets not allowing a 300-yard uh, passer for 23 in 23 straight games. To me, that's the streak I think a lot of them are worried about, especially when it comes to offensively. Chris, thanks for giving us a couple of minutes, and uh, enjoy the game. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. All right, that is Chris Franklin, who covers the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we talked a lot about the Jets. We'll have to talk about the Giants, too. Unfortunately, we got to do it. We'll do it next on the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It's time to know your opponent. Yes, it is ESPN New York tonight. Gordon Damer flying solo tonight. No Larry Hardesty. Larry on vacation. He'll be back next week. 
But of course, we uh, talked a little of the Jets and Eagles. We've got to talk a little bit about the Giants and Bills, whether we want to or not from the Giant perspective, but uh, get the perspective from the Buffalo Bills. And we do that with uh, Tim Graham, who's nice enough to give us a couple of minutes here. He covers the Bills for the Athletic. Tim, thanks for coming on with us uh, this evening. Is this some kind of contractual obligation that you have yeah. to talk about the Giants? Yes, it's like that, uh, like the Howard Stern movie. You have to mention the, uh, the, 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 the time and the weather four times an hour. We have to mention the Giants, whether we want to or not. Um, before we Before we talk about the Bills and the Giants, let's go back to, to last week against the Jaguars. Do the Bills regret the travel plans? Because it really felt like that that had an impact on them in that game and how sluggish they came out. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, they're not going to come out and say it, uh, but they were all in with their sports scientists and all their research that they'd done. Uh, and I think part of it, too, is you're, you're playing, I don't want to say a hunch when you're talking about sports science, but this is a team that just last season had a, a situation that's not quite apples to apples, but uh, the snowstorm that hit western New York uh, right before Thanksgiving, and the Bills had to pull up stakes and move a home game against Cleveland to Detroit because the stadium wasn't going to be usable. It was just going to be filled with snow. They weren't going to be able to truck it out. Uh, you know, people weren't going to be able to get to the game. Or the roads were closed, all this type of stuff. And they went to Detroit, and they beat the Browns on a Sunday, returned to Detroit on Thanksgiving and won that game too, and then went to Foxborough uh, to win three, essentially, three road games in 12 days. So this is a team that has been resilient when it comes to travel, dealing with hardship like that. And I think that they were leaning on that experience um, because they waited to the last possible minute to get out of Western New York for that game that was relocated to Detroit. And I think Sean McDermott viewed it as, hey, we'd like to keep our routine for as long as we can. There's value in that. Uh, and so they decided to wait until Thursday to head over to London. Uh, Thursday after practice, they ended up getting uh, get, they ended up uh, arriving, I believe, Friday morning and having to go through immigration and all that type of stuff. And they were just they were on fumes. And Josh Allen even said it himself. Uh, he wasn't a big coffee drinker, but he was flying high uh, by the time he uh, was talking to the media at uh, oh geez, I don't know, I don't know, twelve o'clock. Uh, local time, which would have been like, what, seven in the morning back at uh, East, uh, Eastern time. So, yeah, they were out of sorts. They got off to that slow start. And the Jaguars, they were there for 10 days and were saying after the game they, they felt like they were in a rhythm. They felt very much on schedule. Now, of course, the Bills could not have possibly gone there 10 days in advance like the Jaguars mm-hmm. had advantage. But certainly heading over Thursday night, and arriving Friday morning was not uh, was not conducive to to kicking off at what would be what nine thirty in the morning Eastern time. We're talking with Tim Graham, who covers the Bills for the Athletic. Where do the Bills see themselves at through five games? Because it's th- they're three and two. The two you would think three and two is not so great. The two losses kind of have a little bit of a of a fluky quality to them, right? The, the London trip, the, the season opening loss, the way that they played that game. Where do they see themselves through five weeks? Yeah, I think it's not really the wins and losses right now. This is a team that is really beat up. They just lost two very important players off their defense. In fact, three over the last two games. They lost their top cornerback, Tredavious White. 
two weeks ago against Miami. And then in London, they lose their all-pro linebacker, Matt Milano, and defensive tackle, Daquan Jones, who isn't a household name, but had been playing really, really well. I'm talking about uh, at least a Pro Bowl level, maybe even an all-pro level uh, run stuffer, uh, and also getting penetration um, in terms of uh, pressures. He was leading the team in pressures, in fact. So he's out with a torn peck, and he's probably he's done for the year. Milano, they're hoping that maybe they can get him back for the playoffs, but that even seems like a long shot. So, uh, And then, uh, you know, the turf over in London, that was another complaint by the Bills mm-hmm. players. They suffered a bunch of different injuries. So um, they're banged up. Their cornerbacks are hurt. Uh, they're down. They're depleted. So I think that whatever their record is, uh, wherever they are now in terms of wins and losses and all that type of stuff, they're just finding – they're, they're got to find ways – to get their backups playing at a level in which that there's not too significant of a drop-off from these players who are very good. Uh, and you gotta, you gotta be serviceable. Now the bills do have an offense built for shootouts. So if it gets to the point where they need to play that type of game, because their defense just isn't as stingy as it, as it, as it can possibly be. And let's face it, they were the, one of the best uh, defenses in the NFL heading into London. Um, they can win shootouts because they have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and, and, and an array of, of uh, weapons plus an offensive line that's playing very well. I'm not going to ask how they make up for those injuries because I don't know if you can make up for those injuries. How do they cover up for those injuries, though? Yeah, well, here's the thing about defensive football. It, the drop-off on the defensive side isn't as much as it is on the offensive side. That's, there's a reason – that losing an all-pro linebacker like Matt Milano does not move the point spread. You know, there's only a couple types of players who can move the point spread, and they have to be game changers, maybe even like a, a J.J. Watt when he was out, for instance. But usually defensive players don't do anything. And the reason being is that the concept is uh, you're able to fill it in, and like you say, not you, you can't replace them, but you can find ways schematically to do things different. Maybe rather than go with a straight four-man pass rush like the Bills like to do, they don't blitz hardly at all, maybe we start seeing them blitz more, uh, which is something that they did uh, last season when they uh, suffered some injuries, most notably when they lost Von Miller uh, late in the season. Uh, They started blitzing their linebackers. So there's different things schematically that they can do to cover up that you can't do on the offensive side when you lose – uh, a top receiver or your quarterback uh, or your, you know, or if there's too big of a drop from your best running back to your second best running back. So I think that the bills, they have the defensive uh, wherewithal from a leadership standpoint, Sean McDermott is the head coach. He's calling the defense. They have a bunch of former defensive coordinators on the staff. They have some pretty smart guys. So I think that they can probably cook up some things to help them survive and Let's face it, the Giants are probably a pretty good opponent for them uh, to get back uh, from London to recalibrate their clocks. They play on Sunday night instead of Sunday afternoon. That's just a little bit extra time. Um, And I think that this is probably the type of opponent that the Bills' offense can just attack and throttle the Giants to the point that maybe, uh, for lack of a better phrase, gives the defense uh, a little bit of a respite. Not quite the night off. I don't want to say that. Uh, but um, to help them get some experience for some of these younger guys moving up, they can try some things, see where they stand. Uh, yeah, moving over to the offensive side, Stephon Diggs is having another uh, incredible season. 
but did have that little bit of a, of a uh, episode on the sidelines during the game against the Jaguars kind of blew up uh, a little bit. Uh, w- what do you make of, of those kind? He's had some of those in the past. What do you make of those kind of blowups? Yeah, he'll do that. You know, that's why uh, he was, he got the reputation that he did in Minnesota. And I'm not saying that that was justified or I, well, justify is not the right word. Uh, if it was accurate or not, but he does those types of things and it opens up the door for criticism from the outside. And Josh Allen uh, shot back at, uh, at any of the people who were, uh, who thought that it was necessarily a negative uh, that Stefan Diggs was acting that way, petulant perhaps. Uh, but Josh Allen said he was mad at himself, meaning Stefan Diggs for running the wrong route. And he's a competitor and everybody needs to get off the guy's back. But, of course, that's what you'd expect the quarterback to say. Uh, he needs this guy. Uh, everybody needs to have a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a good relationship, and they cover for each other. Good teammates do. That's what a good leader does at quarterback. Uh, you cover uh, for your guys. You, you lift them up. You say we're all on the same page. Uh, but he does these types of things, that, and, he, and then he says he's misunderstood. But – he he's, he kind of leaves himself open a little bit. He's not blameless, uh, but I don't think it's uh, a situation where Stefan Diggs wants out of Buffalo or he's pissed off or uh, he's going to demand a trade or, or do anything like that. I, I think he's 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 so highly competitive that sometimes it, it comes out in ways that um, that aren't that, that aren't by the book. We're talking with Tim Graham, who covers the Bills for The Athletic. Uh, Some other pieces on that offense. Uh, James Cook was kind of uh, uh, not really a factor in the game against the Jaguars, but Gabe Davis has really kind of broken out this season. What have you seen from Davis, and why has he been so effective? Yeah, well, Gabe Davis two years ago, I think, was considered a breakout guy. And then last season was disappointing because he just wasn't showing up on a weekly basis like he had been in 2021. Um, a lot of people thought that he might take even the next step. Uh, you know, Cole Beasley was gone. Uh, they didn't have uh, certain players, uh, uh, John Brown, uh, who they brought back. And, and so the Bills were really looking at Gabe Davis to shoulder a little bit more of that load last year. And while he was good, he wasn't as, uh, as special as a lot of people thought he would be. Well, he's been special uh, so far this season. He still does struggle with drops, um, but he's getting a lot of targets. He's getting a lot of premium targets. And he's, he's just been producing. I, you know, there, was a, there was a sequence in London in which um, Stefan Diggs was called for offensive pass interference on what was supposed to be uh, a Gabe Davis touchdown um, because uh, Diggs was, was believed to have picked. You know, there was a pick play. Well, the one next, very next play, Josh Allen goes to him again, and Gabe Davis catches another touchdown from further away while he was interfered with. It's almost like an attitude type thing where he is just doing it. And he's a captain this year, which is something that, you know, was voted on by the, the team. You know, some, some teams like to have the, uh, the coaches will pick their captains. The Bills vote on their captains. And Gabe Davis was a guy that his teammates said uh, deserves that C on his jersey. So that's what they think of him. And uh, he's, been, he's been showing out. All right, so this is the, the game this week. Obviously, we're talking with Tim Graham, who covers the Bills for the Athletic, Bills and Giants uh, on Sunday Night Football. With the way the Giants have played, Tim, is there anything that the Bills have to be concerned about on Sunday night? How about this? Uh, <laughs> and I know that <laughs> trick plays. I mean, Brian Dable is pretty good at that. He's very creative. He, has, he cooks things up. 
And here's a coach who has nothing to lose. So the Bills should have to be on their heels, uh, or on their toes, I should say. Uh, they can't be on their heels. Uh, and I think Brian Dables might pull out the stops. I don't know if they're going to see fake punts or double reverses or uh, double passes or, you know, what. I don't know what. But I think Brian Dable against his former team with nothing to lose, uh, I think we could see some, some trickery and, and a team that's that, – and here's the other thing, too, about him. Uh, he's big on making sure that his players are having fun. Uh, and the Giants have not been having fun. Trick plays are fun. I mean, that's the type of thing that I used to talk to him about with the Bills when, when they'd be winning a game pretty handily, and then all of a sudden they make sure that they get a tackle-eligible touchdown. You know, and it was like it, he, he wants his guys to have fun. Now, I don't know if he's of the mind, uh, if he's in the mood to have fun, or if he thinks that he can dial that stuff up. But if, if you're desperate and you can do some things, I don't know. I, I think Brian Dable, we may see him throw whatever he can against the wall here on Sunday night. Uh, and the Bills are going to have to be ready for that. I appreciate the effort, Tim. <laughs> I appreciate the effort to try to find some. That is, of course, Tim Graham. Tim, you're gonna I always think enjoy. Of me, you're going to think of me when he tries an onside kick in the second quarter. All right. Well, well, I will duly note it. Duly note. Tim, I always enjoy reading your work, and, and thanks for giving us a few minutes tonight to, to, to talk some uh, Bills football. Hey, thanks for having me on with your contractual obligation. <laughs> Absolutely. There is Tim Graham. Uh, great stuff as always from him. And, uh, and look, the Giants are, are up against it, and they've been kind of up against it no matter who they've played so far this year. It's really kind of hard to find a team who has looked worse consistently than the Giants have. And, and to think of the games that they've already had where they've been complete blowouts, this Bills team might just be another one, might be another log on the fire this Sunday night when they face off against the Giants in Buffalo. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, we'll talk a little Giants because there is a plan. There, there, there is a clear path for what the Giants should be looking at for the rest of this season and moving forward with as much of a season as this has been a disaster so far. To me, there's a, clean, a clear path forward. I'll tell you what it is coming up next. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. What about a little congratulations for the Rangers tonight? Open up their season. Couldn't go better. Rolling right along. You get a goal. You get a goal. You get a goal. Chris Kreider was, you know, red hot. Panarin was scoring goals. Wasn't like the playoffs at all. 5-1 Rangers over the Sabres, so uh, good for them. And the Devils. They get a win over the Red Wings 4-3, so Harvey's certainly happy, right? You're happy with that? you got to be happy with that. That's a very long season. Very long season. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be the spring by the time we just – spring. How far away does spring feel right now? With the, with the way we're battling, a very long while. Yeah. And, and look, you need your Devils. Or if you're a Ranger fan, you need your Rangers to carry you through the winter because it's pretty clear, you know, who's not going to be carrying you through the winter, the New York giants. And it's funny because there is a real divide in all sports. It's, it's kind of gone on now in all sports between on one side, you have the diehard fan, right? And then you have on the other side of things, a lot of times in these front offices of teams, the new age analytic guys, you got the old school fans, who look at analytics as, as the work of a bunch of dorks who don't know anything, pencil pushers. And then you have the data people 
who, who look down on the people who deny the importance of numbers and, and finding true value in whatever sport. These two groups could not be any further apart. There, is no, there really is no common ground between these two groups, except for one thing. They both can agree that the New York Giants are just hot garbage. Just hot garbage so far this season. And it doesn't look like the season's going to get any better. It seems pretty clear at this point. Sometimes there are movies or TV shows where you got to give it a chance. You got to give it a chance. Maybe it'll get better. And then there's some TV shows or movies you watch and you know right away, oh boy, this is going to be bad. And at this point for the New York Giants, it's clear it's as bad as it can get. Again, has any team looked worse consistently? I mean, go back to Sunday against Miami. They win the turnover battle, three zip. One of the turnovers is a pick six, and yet they were never really in the game. There was never really a point where you felt like, hey, you know what? Giants got a shot here. No point. And, and the, the, I mean, in every aspect of the team, it, it looks like there is, it, there's just disaster brewing. The offensive line has been as bad as it's been. The quarterback has been as bad as it's been. The offense has been as bad as it's been. The, the special teams as bad as it's been. You know, the defense kind of stands out a little bit because they've not been as dysfunctional as the other aspects, but it's not like you're hanging your hat on them either. And so, to me, there is a clear path forward at this point for the New York Giants. And it is, they have to admit that they went into this year not realizing just how bad, they got sucked in, basically. It has taken five weeks to wipe out the optimism of last year. Think about last year. Think about the things that were, say, were, were being said about the New York Giants. They're finally out of the wilderness. They've found their new regime. They, they got their new GM. Their coach is the coach of the year. They're making the playoffs. They've found their quarterback. All, all this optimism. And the Giants this year have been able to wipe out all of that in five weeks. This is not just some bad games or this season isn't going to be as good as last year. Through five games, it's clear that the organization is nowhere close to where you thought they were going to be at this point. They're nowhere close to the, 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 the progress that they, you thought that they showed last year. And it's clear that they got sucked into it and we all got sucked into it. I know I did. I remember sitting here thinking, well, you know, Giants could win. If everything breaks right, the Giants could win nine games. Nine games? With the way things have gone, I mean, how many games would they need to play to win nine games? It's a whole lot more than, than, than they have on the schedule left this year. I can tell you that much. They look like one of the worst teams in the sport. And it seems pretty clear at this point, even... It, as we head into week six of the season, that for all intents and purposes, this season is gone. So if you're Joe Shane, if you're Brian Dable, you have to almost kind of accept and 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 embrace the the badness of this situation. And at this point, they should be looking to 
own the rebuild that we thought that we were going to be looking at before last year, right? Last year going into the year, the, the, the GM was not really able to do too much because of the salary cap situation. There were no expectations whatsoever uh, on the season last year. But it felt like the type of situation, well, this is going to be this is going to be a full-blown rebuild. This is going to take a while for them to be able to get this turned around. And then the season went the way it did, and we all kind of got uh, a little carried away with ourselves. Now they have to sit back and say, wait a sec, this is what we thought we were in for already. And we delayed it last year because we won some games and things broke right and we had an easy schedule. This has to be now the complete rebuild that we thought we were going to be having Last year. So what does that mean? It means that if you can find anything on your roster worth moving to another team, that's, that's the, that, that is the path forward. Joe Shane should be like uh, Tommy Lee Jones of the Fugitive, searching for anything that other teams like about his team. And he's got to have a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, henhouse, or outhouse in the area. To, to find anything that he can get to to get some draft picks back and really go full-blown into the rebuild because last year, it, it, it's already shown you in five weeks that it was, it was, it was a fraud. It, the team was a fraud. It was, it was not nearly as complete a team as you thought. You thought that after last year, well, well, we'll improve. We'll get some more talent on this roster and we can take that next step forward. And everything that went right last year has has gone wrong this year. So I know that John Mara hates the idea of tanking or hates the idea of giving up on a season. He's the guy who's kind of come up with the idea of, hey, I want to be playing meaningful games late in the season, that that's kind of a successful year. But at this point, if you hate the idea of tanking, what's the difference? Right? Like, what's the difference between the Giants tanking and what you've gotten so far. How, how would it look any different? You have an offensive line that has gotten your quarterback sacked 18 times in the last two weeks. And what you see is when the Giants are picking fifth in the draft, picking third in the draft, wherever they're picking in the draft, they have to look at this as that we are not a they are not a team that should be looking to draft a quarterback. Let's put it that way. They are miles away. They don't have any infrastructure on the team. It, it, it's, it's so bar- it seems like it's so barren of talent. Now, now maybe it's not as bad as it seems overall, but it, there's been a lot of conversations this week based on how the season has gone about, well, they got to get a different quarterback. Could the coach's job be in jeopardy? Could the GM's job be in jeopardy? They are so far away from even really being able to evaluate a lot of these things because they're just so bereft of talent. And that really shouldn't be that much of a surprise based on the fact that they just got done with the relationship with Dave Gettleman, who we would all agree did a horrendously bad job. So it's easy to get sucked in when, when things went as well as they did last year and you, you win nine games and you get in the playoffs and you win a playoff game and you feel like, hey, we're back. But all it has done has kind of been to delay the inevitable situation that you're in. And the situation that you're in, and it's been one that you've been in for a while, right? Like, I think over the, what is it, the last seven years, they've averaged four wins a year. They're a bad football team. 
And to think that you're going to be able to judge the quarterback really when the offensive line is as bad as it is, or to be able to judge the, the coach when the quarterback play is as bad as it is. They need to take some time with this. this we knew going in this was going to take time, and sure, everybody, myself included, we all kind of got sidetracked by the fact that they had a decent year last year and, and it was a successful year last year and winning a playoff game. You think, okay, this guy's a magician, this Brian Dable. Well, now you're getting to see the magician's tricks, and it, it, it's not a whole lot. Uh, it, it, it is what you thought it was going into last year. They've got a bad roster, and, and think of it this way, because the Giants are not like one of these organizations that hasn't tasted success, right? They know success at the highest levels, and that is always going to be their gauge of what's a successful, real run, playoff, deep playoff runs, division titles, all that type of stuff. How many guys on the team that the Giants have right now do you think are going to be on the team when they make the, when they when they make their next playoff run, when they win their next division title? How many guys do you think it is? It's probably not many, right? So if that's the case, you almost have to embrace the badness and embrace the rebuild. I know John Mara doesn't want to think that way. Uh, he hates the idea of tanking or whatnot. And I would just simply ask him, well, if you hate, the, what, what's the difference between tanking and what we got right now? If there was a team tanking, they would be looking at the Giants, but boy, those guys are really good at it. The fact that they won the one game that they did, it was next to a minor miracle. And in the other games, they've been non-competitive. And when you take a look at what the schedule looks like based on what you've done already, where are the wins coming from? So I would just say, you might not like being one of the worst teams in football. You need to be one of the worst teams in football. There is a benefit to being one of the worst teams in football. And unfortunately, with Dave Gettleman, even though they were one of the best, uh, the worst teams in football, he did as bad a job of capitalizing on being uh, one of the worst teams in football that you could have. So now this new regime, you're going to have to give them some time. So I don't think that Brian Dable's job's in jeopardy. I don't think that... that um, that Joe Shane's job is in jeopardy. But that's easy to say as we're sitting here on October 12th and we have only played five games. It's clear a couple of years ago that the Giants' ownership did not want to get rid of the coach and the GM, but they left them no choice. If things don't improve from where they are right now, you might get to that. But that's a conversation for way down the road. In the meantime, if I were Giants' Uh, brass, if I was this new regime, if I was Joe Shane or, 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 or Brian Dable, I would be embracing and we're not going to be very good this year, but there's going to be a payoff in a couple of years and sell hope because selling winning is going no place. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, more of your football calls. We'll get some stuff on uh, week six in the NFL as well. Lots to do as we take you up until midnight. It's Gordon Damer on ESPN New York tonight, 98.7 FM. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Harvey, are you okay? I took it kind of hard on your Giants there. You going to be all right, pal? I'll be fine. All right. Yep. I got my devils to carry me through now. Right. I mean, the Giants couldn't even get you to the start of the devil season. I mean, they did, but, uh, they, but ba- like, they're stumbling over the finish line there. They couldn't even get me by, by training camp. 
training camp for who? What are you the talking Devils. about? The Devils. No, the Devils season started. But I'm saying the, the uh, oh, no, preseason. Yeah, no. I mean, pre-season. look, the Giants couldn't even get you to Giant season. I mean, they, they let you down as soon as Giant season started. I, I honestly debated going to that Seahawks game. It was right here. Mm-hmm. Monday night football. It was, yes. An off day. I was right there. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? This, this this football is made for TV. I could watch it on TV. Nope. That wasn't even enjoyable at all. Well, I, I mean, outside of the win that they got, that was the most competitive game they played so far. Yeah, if you consider it, well, well, a half of football, yes. Yeah. I mean, they, they were technically driving before Daniel Jones threw the pick six. Sure. It's hard to find those silver linings sometimes. Hard to find those. Uh, those silver lines, you know what they say? They go bronze real soon. Yes, yes. Turn your fingers green. Uh, all right, let's go to the phones. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. Eddie is in Rockland. Eddie, what's going on, my man? Hey, what's going on? You know, I heard you talk about the, the meaningful games in December. That was Wellington Mara that said that. You know that, okay. right? Yeah, I, I knew it was one of the Maras, but yes, that's where it kind of originated from. Yeah, because I used to be a giant season ticket holder. But basically, you know, they built the team backwards. If you just look at the offense, they got Barkley. They didn't have an offensive line for Eli. Then you get the quarterback and you get the tackles, but you got nothing up the middle. They're supposed to get uh, a good tight end that they had. I don't, don't see that on the field. Giant football is power rushing and stopping the run. Until you start there and you could do those two things, they're not going to be able to build anything because everybody's already saying Evan Neal's no good. Now uh, uh, they want to get rid of Barkley because he's too injury-prone. They want to start over with Daniel Jones. When, you're in the, when you have picks in the top ten for whatever, five years, and this is for the Jets also, and you got to build, you got to trade down. You've got to pick up an extra second and get down into the 15 to the 20 and get a couple of offensive guards in a center and start there because the guys you want going into their second contracts aren't the guard, aren't the tackles. You want it to be your guards in center, guys that don't lose their speed or talent, okay? You don't want that. You want a tight end, a good tight end that can play like a Kelsey or something like that. They built it totally backwards. And by the time they get the team going, Daniel Jones is gone and Barkley's gone. And then all of a sudden they don't want to pay Evan Neal. He'll be gone. And you're still trying to build an offensive line. Yeah. Well, look, Eddie, uh, you're, you're, you're right. Uh, they, they have a lot of issues right now. And um, they are not close to being really a good team. I know they – I mean, they won their nine games last year. They made the playoffs. But – it, it, it has taken five games, and I don't even know if it's taken five games, to show you that last year was a complete mirage. And it's almost like the, the, the dream sequence, right? Like, did that actually happen? Because you take a look at all the years prior to that, right? Uh, 2021, they won four games. 2020, they won six games. The, the year before that, four games, five games, three games. In terms of Barkley... They should absolutely. I've heard a lot of people. Oh, they got to get him healthy. He's so important to this offense. This offense is is not salvageable. You need to have an offensive line that can actually block for somebody. To think if if, if Saquon Barkley were able to salvage this offense, he would be the MVP every single year. Jim Jim Brown wouldn't be able to do that. So yeah, if they can get Saquon Barkley healthy. They should absolutely be looking at any team. Whatever they can get back in terms of draft picks for the future, 
They need to churn this roster as much as possible. And for Dable and for Shane, they should be embracing the, the rebuild because they last year kind of put it on, 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 on the back burner. This year, they got all the time in the world to be focused on it. Rocco is in the Bronx. Rocco, what's going on, my man? Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for taking my call. What you got? Hey, uh, yeah, so I was just, I've been listening to you, and um, is it time, like, obviously, if the Giants end up with a one or two, possibly third overall pick, obviously you're taking Caleb Williams or Drake May. But are they at the point now where if they're a top ten pick, which is likely, are are we moving fully off Danny? Or what, what, what do you think? Well, look, Rocco, and, and thanks for the phone call. It's a little – I'm not uh, big on, on the draft at this point. Clearly, with the way the Giants' season is going, uh, I know the, two, the, the top two guys in the draft, clearly, uh, the two quarterbacks. I've seen some of them, but we'll get deeper into it. The way I look at it, and especially for this Giants team, if, say, they're picking five, what they should be looking to do is if they, if they have a quarterback at that spot that they – absolutely love they think this guy is going to be a star well then you take the quarterback if not then they have to look at the other prime areas of of that you you look at well they already have a left tackle so you probably scratch that one off although with the 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 offensive line problems they've had uh i don't know that you can necessarily scratch it off completely but shut down corner and pass rusher be other ones but i think really what you're talking about for the giants if they have a high pick this year and there's a lot of quarterbacks in the draft, and they're just kind of, mm. at this point, you almost have to look at it and say, there's no quarterback that will be able to save us from the situation that we're in. We need to build a better team around whoever the quarterback is. And we're kind of, we're already locked in for Daniel Jones this year and next year. We got to start building around whoever that quarterback is. It's almost certainly not going to be Daniel Jones by the time the Giants are truly good again. But whoever that is, take a look at, at, at different situations around the league. Why some of those quarterbacks are able to succeed is because they actually have an offensive line. They actually have weapons around them. And maybe the Giants have to look at with where their situation is now and, and, and the type of season that they're going to have. They almost have to build it backwards. Unless there's a quarterback that they absolutely have to have where they're picking, they would be better served building all the other aspects of the team because there's a thousand other aspects of the team that it just seems like they are miles away from where they need to be for the quarterback almost to even matter at this point. Again, tell me a team that's looked consistently as bad as the Giants have looked so far this year. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. Always like leaving you on a happy note. Isn't that a happy note there, Harvey? You like that, right? You love that. You're getting good at these things. You know, it takes some time, but... You, you delivered on Think about what it's going to be like in week nine, week 10. You'll be begging off those Saturday shows. You're, you're already not going to be there this Saturday. You can't wait to get out. Like this Gordon guy. I can't take him. Uh, I'm going to work that three to six shift. I can't take this Damer guy. What's the Spider-Man joke on Family Guy? Everybody gets one. That's it. Yeah. Just All the right. one. All right. Well. I will be back with you on uh, Saturday morning, 9 to noon. We'll have all the regular uh, fun and, and festivities, even though Harvey won't be there. But if you didn't get us on the phones tonight, certainly you can hit me up on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. We will see you Saturday at 9 a.m. Looking forward to a big week six. Jets, Giants football. Yeah!